All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's good to have everybody here. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor of Faith Church, and it is such a privilege to have everybody in the house here at Florence. Can we welcome everybody at our Lawrenceburg campus and our Shoals campus? It's good to have you guys with us as well. We say it every week, come on, that we believe that Jesus, who is he? He's the hope of the world. So whoever you are and whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe you open up your life to Jesus. It'll be the greatest decision that you have ever made. How many people know that's true? Come on, let's give God some praise. If he's done something for you and changed your life. Well, we are in the middle of a series in the third week of a four-week series entitled Gambling with God. And the conversation we're having, week one, we were talking about this idea that we know people, and maybe you're one of these people, and if you're one of these people, maybe you shouldn't be these people, but we know lots of people in the world that we live who gamble. People are buying lottery tickets, and some people go to Tunica, and you know, we live in a gambling culture, and there's lots of people losing lots of money, taking lots of unnecessary risks. What we talked about, though, is you're a gambler too, and so am I, because life is a gamble. Waking up in the morning and making the decisions we make about our career, about our kids, about how we serve the Lord, each and every one of those decisions, because we don't know the future, it's a gamble. And so the challenge we issued in week one is because the number one house rule that God has is faith, is that I would just challenge you and I would encourage you because this is, this is the encouragement, this is the admonishment of scripture. As people, if you're going to gamble, you might as well gamble on God. If you're going to take a risk, you might as well push all your chips in the center of the table on the plan that God has for your life and for the person that God is, that you can trust God, that you can go all in on being obedient and trusting him and following him. And so last week we talked about that at the big game table, it's not just us, but we have an opponent. We talked about our spiritual enemy, that there really is a spiritual realm. There really is, even though it's weird in our culture, Jesus taught very clearly that Satan is real and he is your number one opponent. So on one hand, while you have this privilege and I have this privilege to gamble on God, you have a spiritual enemy who's trying to bluff you, who's trying to tell you that, the devil's hold, that God's holding back, that you can't trust God, you can't honor him, you can't be obedient. If you're obedient, you're gonna miss out. If you're obedient, it's not gonna work out. And so in these two weeks, here's where I wanna go today is, on the big table of life, on one hand, again, while we have this incredible opportunity to serve God, we have this incredible enemy trying to bluff us out of trusting God. How can you sit at the table of life with confidence you can win? How can you walk out your faith? How can you walk out your spiritual journey with a high level of hope that it's gonna work out when you trust God? And the answer is because we have an ace in the hole. Everybody say ace in the hole. You know what the ace in the hole is, the concept? Again, some of you may have played cards and the concept of an ace in the hole is this idea that when you're sitting at a poker table, the ace is the highest card in the deck. If you don't play, if you don't, if you don't play poker, everybody played war, the game that goes on forever. And in war, ace is the highest card. It has the most authority. It has the most punch. And so in the game of poker, when you have an ace in the hole, that means that you have the edge. It means you have an asset in your hand that your opponent doesn't know you about, but you have the chance to win because you have the ace in the hole. Ace in the hole isn't just a poker term, it's a life term. It's this idea that all of us, we possibly have assets or benefits that maybe other people aren't aware of. And again, having those assets gives us the edge, gives us the ability to win. Maybe you have a particular talent or a skill. You know, I've, I've played uh, basketball with people and you, you get on the court with them and you find out like he was, you know, all state in high school. He's got a, he's got a hidden talent. He's, he's got an ace in the hole. But I have found that it's not really our personal assets, but sometimes people are our greatest asset. 
right? Sometimes people are the ace in the hole in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here ever have a friend or somebody you can count on? Sometimes having the right person is more important than knowing the right thing. If you hang out with somebody popular, you don't have to be popular. Come on. Some of you, that's your story. Come on, you, if, you, if you run with people who've got authority, who've got influence, you don't have to have any because you got somebody that has it. That is your ace. Everybody say ace in the hole. It's your ace in the hole. It's your asset. I know when I was coming up, I was a kid and I had lots of friends and we made lots of bad decisions together. But there was this guy I had the privilege to run with. His name, his name was Big Benny. And the reason we called him Big Benny is because Benny was, yeah, you guys are catching on. Like, you know, some people are little and you call them big and some people are big. No, we called him Big Benny because Benny was big. And anytime Benny was around, I'm telling you, he was my ace in the hole. You go anywhere you wanted if you got Benny with you. There's some places you shouldn't go alone. But if you got Benny, ace in the hole. I'm, now, it's not a church thing to brag about, but at that time, before I got saved, Benny had been to prison. I won't cut you, but Benny will shank you. <laughs> y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? You walk in some places and you don't have Benny with you. You're like, hey, everybody, it's good to be here. When you got Benny with you, you can walk in kind of boy, hey, everybody, and you got like some swag. What's up? Because you're not afraid of anybody. Why? Because Benny's with you. Everybody in times and seasons, you got a Benny, Benny in your life. You have a person on your side. You have somebody in your corner that's the ace in the hole that gives you a certain level of confidence. And the reason I share that is I thought about how Benny made me feel, the confidence he gave me, I wondered about the confidence that the disciples had because Jesus was with them. Do you ever think about the confidence that the disciples had to have had? I mean, I imagine probably early on they had a lot of intrepidation and fear, but the more they hung out with Jesus, imagine how their confidence went through the roof. I mean, Jesus was not afraid of anybody. He was a bad mamma-jamma. Jesus spoke what was on his mind. He didn't care what culture thought. Jesus said what was inappropriate to say, but he didn't care. The two power structures of the day was Rome and religion. And Jesus didn't care. He didn't care if word made it back to Caesar. He didn't care if what he said offended one of the proconsuls, one of the authorities in the region. Jesus was unafraid and he spoke truth. When he used the word hell, he didn't use it with everyday people. He used it with the religious power structure of the day. And Jesus didn't care. He didn't care what they thought because it was true. And the disciples, man, you, Jesus was saying things they would never say, but they could stand behind Jesus and kind of swell their chest out. Yeah, you tell them, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was their ace in the hole. He was their asset. Jesus would say things that offended people so badly they wanted to kill him. But the Bible says things like this, that even though they wanted to kill him and tried to kill him, that they couldn't kill him because his time had not yet come. What he was saying was, you can't kill me when you want to kill me because you can't kill me. You don't take my life. I willingly lay it down. And the more they tried to kill him, the less they could. And the disciples' confidence just kept growing. Jesus had authority over the natural and the supernatural. Standing on the bow of a boat in the middle of a storm, Jesus said, peace. And the winds stopped blowing. And the waves stopped rolling. And the disciples are like, okay. He didn't just have authority over the natural, over the supernatural. People who came to him with life-controlling addictions and habits and sicknesses that Jesus recognized, that some, that the devil was behind it, there really was this demonic influence. And they went to all the doctors and all the specialists and they took all the supplements that their friends told them to take and nothing helped them, but they came to Jesus and Jesus healed them. 
Jesus fed the multitude with multiplied supernatural bread. And the more miracles they saw Jesus do, it's like they could go anywhere and say anything, but they were with Jesus. Why? Because they had this confidence. Jesus didn't just do things. Jesus taught them. Jesus rebuked them when they were wrong. Can you imagine the level of confidence the disciples had because they were with Jesus? And let me ask a different question. What would your confidence be like if Jesus was with you? Imagine if you had an ace in the hole. Imagine if you had help in your corner. Imagine if somebody was with you the same way Jesus was with the disciples that you could put all of your hope in. How would you have confidence? What would it look like? Well, what I wanna do is I just wanna read just a handful of scriptures that talk about God's presence with us. God's promised presence is one of the greatest promises in scripture. It is the most prolific promise in scripture. It's the promise that's made most often from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. God's promises, the same way Jesus was with the disciples, God's presence is with us. Y'all gotta make some noises because that's a great promise. Let's just read some of that real quick. Watch this. Deuteronomy 31.6, and I would love it. These are on the screen. Let's read these together at all of our campuses, every voice. Come on, let's read these. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you and he will neither fail you nor... Oh, come on, y'all gotta say it with some confidence. He'll never what? Abandon you. Hebrews 13, five. For he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Psalm 37, 28. For the Lord loves justice and he will never abandon the godly. Psalm 46, 11. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. Whoo, come on. The Lord God of Israel is our fortress. First Samuel 12, 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people. I'm gonna keep reading them till y'all start making some noise. Come on. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus, some of his final words with his disciples was this at the Great Commission. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful that God is with you every day, every way, every season, every situation? Now, see, this, the reason we sometimes have a hard time celebrating that is what it, we don't always feel like God's with us. Well, this isn't about how you feel. It's about what God said. And God's promise is greater than your feelings. Let me tell you, here's a verse probably you know about God's promised presence. Probably one of the most well-known. It's in, the, in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because he's with me. What it's saying is, it's not about where I am, it's about who I'm with. And if I have a, a more confidence in who I'm with than rather where I'm at. With Benny, I could go to any part of town because it wasn't about where I was at, it was about who I'm with. I, see, the promise that Jesus is making, Jesus never promised a valley-free life. What he promised was a presence-filled life, which means you will go through seasons that you don't like. You will face things that you didn't choose, but in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the challenge, in the middle of the temptation, in the middle of hell on earth, you can have some confidence that Jesus is with you because that's his promise. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful that we got that kind of promise that he's with us? So here's a question. How would you live your life? What kind of confidence would you have if you really believe that Jesus was with you the way scripture promises? How would you live your life every day in the decisions you make and the things you face? How would you live life if you really believed that Jesus was with you the same way he was with the disciples? Because that is the promise. 
In fact, the, the Holy Spirit is who we're gonna talk about today. The Holy Spirit is with us. And if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is the believer's ace in the hole. Come on. If Benny was here, come on, Jesus is way higher and you can put your hope and confidence and strength in a God who's with you 24 seven. He is your ace in the hole. He's your asset. Now check this out. In a conversation Jesus has in John chapter 14, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, verses are on the screen. So imagine the disciples. For three years, they're with Jesus everywhere he goes. They wake up together. They hang out all day together. They travel together. They sleep together like Jesus is their Messiah. Jesus is the rabbi. They're his tribe. In the entire time of Jesus' ministry, he keeps on telling the disciples, like, I'm not here for good. There's going to come a time I want to lay down my life. And early on, the disciples just ignored him. And Jesus keeps telling them, like, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to lay down my life. And finally, the disciples start to, no, you can't do that because they wanted an earthly king and an earthly kingdom. And so they started to challenge Jesus. Finally, one time, Peter tries to jump in the way of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to die. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter. Hey, get behind me, Satan. If Jesus calls you Satan, you ain't living right. That's a fact. But I'm just telling you, isn't it crazy how sometimes you're trying to do what God wants you to do and even those who are closest to you are trying to talk you out of it? I'm just telling you, some of you need to have the confidence that doing the right thing sometimes means not just challenging culture, but even challenging your best friends. Those closest to Jesus didn't trust Jesus to do what Jesus thought he needed to do, but he did it anyways. The greatest decision you can make in life is to do what you know God's called you to do in spite of what anybody else says. And so Jesus is gonna go to Jerusalem. But think about this. All of their chips are on Jesus. All of their hope is in him. All of their confidence is from him. And now he's about to die. What do you think their confidence was like when they realized he wasn't going to be there? So Jesus has a conversation. This conversation happens at the last supper celebration of communion. We just did as a church. Jesus sits down, he eats with them. He washes their feet. And then he has this conversation in John 14, 15 and 16. And here's what he says. Watch this. In the middle of this angst that he's leaving, he says this, John chapter 14, verse 16, every voice, let's read it. I will ask the father and he will give you, he'll give you what? I don't even know what that is. Do you? What's another advocate? Here was the promise Jesus was making is I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to pray and the heavenly father is going to send you another advocate. Some scriptures say another comforter. The word is he's going to send you somebody different, but of equal quality. Jesus, Jesus never downgrades. He said, I'm not going to send you a cheap knockoff. I'm going to send you another of the word. The Greek word is alos, A-L-L-O-S. I know you don't care, but what it means, it's an important word. It means of the same kind. So Jesus says, I'm out, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you an ace in the hole. You've had confidence. You don't need to lose confidence because I'm going to send you the help you need, another comforter. And then it says this, the rest of verse 16 says this, who will never leave you? When is he going to leave you? What about difficult times? What about good times? Come on, when you don't know he's with you, is he still there? Why? Because he will never leave you. Everybody shout never. Never. Every season, every situation, every temptation, every frustration, every battle you think you're losing, God is with you. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. He is there with you. Come on, somebody. He is there. He will never leave you. Now, some of you are like, well, you're telling me he's with me, but I didn't know he was with me. Well, here's what you need to know. And this is what I want you to get. And this is why we're talking about your ace in the hole. 
is because what I have found is the more you expect God, the more you experience God. See, if you don't live with any kind of expectation that God is with you, that God's gonna speak to you, that God's gonna direct your steps, then you will live life on your terms. But when you start to live with this expectation, what you'll find is you'll start to experience it. The more you look for it, the more you'll find it. Come on, anybody here realize that God really is there like he said? Come on, because you're finding out that his promise was always true. So Jesus said, I know you're freaked out. I know you feel like you're about to lose your confidence, but disciples, it's all of us. You don't have to lose your confidence. You're losing an ace in the hole, but I'm gonna give you another ace in the hole. I'm gonna send you another comforter, another person just like me, and he's gonna be with you, and he's never gonna leave you. And then Jesus says this, Verse 17 and 18. Come on, every voice read it. Who are we talking about? He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, this is so amazing, this promise that God makes. This is a significant promise. This is our ace in the hole. I want you to notice what he says is the Holy Spirit, God's work in our life. God does a lot of things in us, but the work of the Holy Spirit, there's two things today I want to talk about real quick. If you're taking notes, his presence that's with you, it's with me. His presence empowers perception in our spiritual journey. You know what perception is? Vision is the ability to see, see something. It's vision is what you see. Perception is how you see it. Everybody say perception. And everybody has perception. Your perception of politics is probably different than my perception of politics. Your perception of situations are different than my perception. Everybody has a different perception. That's why marriage is hard. Come on, somebody. It's because you got two people with two different backgrounds, with two different perceptions, two different opinions. And while people can have varied opinions, we live in a culture right now, and they will tell you things like this. Well, that's your perception, but this is my perception. And it's okay to have varied perceptions depending on what you're looking at. But there are times there aren't different perceptions. There's really only one. There are not multiple truths. There's only one truth. And what Jesus promises is when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you perception. He's going to give you this ability to see something in a way that the rest of the world can't see it and doesn't see it. And if you can change the way you see, you'll change the way you live and you'll change the direction you go. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit is I'm going to open your eyes and you're going to see things in a way you've never seen them. Let me just talk with you a minute about what that looks like. Some of us in this room, the reason we struggle with where we are is because of our perception. You are viewing your present based on your past. And if you view your present based on your past, you will get stuck in your past. Jesus shows up and says, no, God has a future and a hope for you. I want you to shift your perception on where you're going, not just where you've been. And if you'll shift your perception, you'll shift your direction. It's all about perception. And so the Holy Spirit wants to give us this ability, this capacity to see things differently, to see that God's with you. There's a story where Jesus is on a boat. He's sleeping. The disciples are in a storm and they're freaking out. I mentioned it earlier. And they forgot Jesus was there because all they were focused on was the storm. Just the confidence of the Holy Spirit is just this constant reminder that God's with you. You're not alone. God is with me. Come on, y'all say that. God is with me. And don't get so focused on the storm that you forget to focus on your Savior. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind you of his presence. 
He's there to remind you not just that he's present, but he's working. We get so caught up in this world that we just feel like, like the devil has this big plan. I want you to know God has a plan too. You need to see that God is working. It's not just the enemy's work. You need to see that God is working all things together for good. It's not just a season of chaos. It's a season where God is working that mess together for your benefit and your growth and your relationship with him. God is at work. And the Holy Spirit's reminding you of that. He leads us into truth. How many people in this room, since you've been serving God, there's some things you used to do that you don't feel so good about anymore? Wave at me. Come on, it's, why? Because your perception changed. How you see things have changed. How you sense things have changed. God causes us again. This is so important. We live in a culture that co-signs a lot of stuff. And the biggest promise that God makes here is the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. Just because culture says it's true doesn't mean, mean it is. Just because our politicians voted it in and approved it doesn't mean it is. We have to have a more reliable, more consistent source of what the standard is for truth than what culture says. Because culture is constantly shifting, constantly changing the mark, constantly changing the finish line. If you live long enough, what is right today will eventually be wrong. And what's wrong today will eventually be right because culture shifts. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Holy Spirit in your life will show you what is God's truth. I don't care what your truth is. And I don't care what my truth is. I need to know what the truth is. And the Holy Spirit will show us what the truth is. Come on, somebody. And we need to know that. So Lord, open my eyes and let me see. That is the promise. Now this is important. He influences, not enforces. When he says he's going to lead you in all truth, he ain't going to push you. He's not going to drag you. He's not going to kick you. I know some of you wish it would happen, but he's not. All he's going to do is point the way our worship is to be obedient and follow it. Come on, somebody. When you say yes to Jesus, that's the greatest song you'll ever sing. I can't sing a lick. Let me tell you something that happens and it's horrible. And you don't know this happens, but I know it happens. And sometimes I find out too late. When I sing, I sing like I'm all in. I can't hit a note, but I'll chase it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm, man, during worship, man, I'm, telling, I'm, I'm singing in tongues and clapping and shouting. Well, I'm supposed to turn my mic off when I'm there. Well, there are times I forget to turn my mic off and everybody up here can hear me because I'm in their ears. Imagine having a person singing really off key in your ear while you're trying to sing on key. I jack some stuff up. But I'm just, I just want to be abandoned. But I'm telling you, my greatest worship isn't standing up here singing. It's out there living. And the way I can live right is when the Holy Spirit shows me the direction to go. And he ain't going to force me, but he will point the way. Come on, he's going to inform me, but he's not going to enforce it. You have to choose to go. How's your perception? Oh, come on. When you live with that kind of perception, let me give you another. Do you know there were times that Jesus in conversations he had, he knew that there was some stuff hidden in the background. And the Bible says that Jesus understood their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking, even though they didn't say, I'm not telling you God's going to give you the ability to read anybody's mind. Don't nobody need that, but Jesus, but he'll know you. He'll, he'll let you know when it's a trap. He'll let you know when to walk away. He'll let you know when to run into it. He'll let you know when to hang up. He'll let you know when to log off. Come on, somebody. We need that kind of perception that I don't need to go there. I don't care what culture says. I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on, anybody here need some perception? Come on, wave at me. I read this, I read this story recently, and it's, I guess it's a, it's a couple years old, but it's this story about Payless shoes. Anybody here know Payless shoes? Wave at me. Anybody ever have Payless shoes on? Here's a guarantee fact about Payless shoes. They will make your feet stink. 
if you don't know Payless shoes and if you got to wear Payless, no shame, do you boo, whatever you can afford, slide it on. So Payless shoes is, is just a, it's a lower end shoe store. Nothing there is made with real leather. If you open any shoe up, it says made with man-made materials, which is code for your feet are going to stink. You say, how do you know? Because back in the day, I was rolling in some Kmart track 5,000s and I had some Payless shoes. Wait, don't hate, celebrate. I'm here, baby. But Payless shoes, so they're just cheap, knockoff, just, they're just not great shoes. Well, in 2018, they did this social experiment I thought was really fascinating. What they did was they took some Payless shoes, and you'll know this is where this is going before I get there. But they took these Payless shoes and they went to a high-end Los Angeles shopping center. And they set up this incredible storefront that looked like a high-end shoe store. And they took all these Payless shoes and they titled this shoe store Pelesi. P-A-L-E-S-S-I. You can look it up. Pelesi. Pelesi shoes. And they marked these Payless shoes up 1,800 to 2,000%. So shoes that were like $35 in Payless, they marked up to like $1,400. And people lost their minds and they had to get them some Pelesi. Yee, wasn't nobody down with Yeezys, everybody down with Pelesis. Now here's what's crazy is, these are the same shoes that these people who can afford $700 shoes would have never bought Payless shoes, but because someone put a different sticker price on them, all of a sudden they were all about them. What I'm telling you is the world we live in will keep shifting the sticker price and tell you it's a good deal that you should buy it, and it's just a scam and a trick of the opponent, our enemy, and we need to realize that, recognize that, perceive that, and you can only do that with our ace in the hole, the Holy Spirit. He will show you what the enemy's up to. So watch this, Jesus goes on 14, 15, and 16 again, all one conversation. And then he says this about our ace in the hole, the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse seven and eight. Come on, let's read this together. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. But if I, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, come on, read this. He will convict the world of its sin, out of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. Notice what he says. This is so profound. Again, this, the conversation we're having is, imagine the confidence of the disciples. Imagine what they felt like walking with Jesus. And then I ask this, how would you live if Jesus was with you? What Jesus is saying is, the Holy Spirit's an upgrade. Do you hear what he said? He said, it's better for you that I leave. And here's why it's better. is because Jesus, though he was fully God, he was also fully human, he was divinity locked in humanity, which means Jesus could only be one place at one time. And so while Jesus, his presence could be with his disciples wherever they were, now things are different. The Holy Spirit can be with me at the same time he's with you. He can be in this house worshiping here in Alabama at the same time he can be down in Honduras with that church. The Holy Spirit can be with all of us at all times in all seasons and all situations. That's why it's an upgrade. Jesus was limited with who he can be with. The Holy Spirit, there's no limitation. Come on, he's with all of us all the time and he will never forsake us. It's an upgrade. But then I want you to notice again, it's not just our perception, it's not just how we see things. Listen to this. His presence empowers persuasion. Persuade. Our persuasion is this push, because here's what I know. Maybe this is just me. I've had God say, don't go there, and I went there anyways. I've had God say, don't do that, and I did it anyways. 
that in my spiritual journey, there's been times the Lord showed me things that I ignored what he showed me and did it anyways. So he doesn't just give us perception. He gives us persuasion. This is the beautiful thing that is so under, under celebrated in God is that when we, when we just do our own thing, he just still doesn't leave us alone. But then he starts to persuade us to come back. He convicts us of our sin. You know, it's crazy. Nobody, nobody wants to go to church and be convicted of sin. Like, let's just celebrate Jesus and let's talk about all the good stuff. Sometimes the greatest experience you can ever have is conviction of your sin. Conviction is this convincing. Everybody say convincing. That you're convinced what you're doing, saying, thinking, living is wrong. Because if you're never convinced of it, you will stay in it and you will miss God's best. And your heart will inevitably get hard. But when you hear what you're doing, what you're thinking, where you're going, doesn't honor God, when you're convicted of your sin... That feeling that persuades you to get off that road and start following Jesus is the greatest thing that can happen to you because it saves your life, literally, and your relationship with the Lord. He doesn't just convict us of sin. I love it. He convicts us or convinces us of God's righteousness, which means even when I mess up, I don't have to hang my, hang my head in shame. I can still come with the same confidence because what we said in communion is, it's not what I've done. It's always what Jesus has done. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell me where I blew it. He still tells me, but you're still a child of God, but you still belong to God. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that no matter where I fall, he still picks me up and I'm still his. Come on, that's your promise. That's mine. And then this persuasion, this constant push that we feel. He convinces us of our sin, of God's righteousness, and this is unpopular, of coming judgment. See, it's easy to get so caught up in life that you just live in the moment. You just get caught up in the season. Like all that matters is what's right in front of you. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit really is to remind us that your life is bigger than the moment. That the season you find yourself in, though it may feel overwhelming, that your life is gonna echo into eternity. Hey, what you do matters. Your obedience to God, going all in on following, it really does matter. Maybe right here, I, you know, I don't know if you ever feel this way. Like, I mean, I'm just this guy. Florence, Alabama, it's not the biggest city. It's not the biggest state. It's not, you know. God says, no, you matter. Your life matters. It has consequence. There is a judgment for all of us that we're gonna face. And I want the amount of time, no matter how short or how long it is, I want it to matter. And so it's this constant reminder, hey, honor God, obey God, go all in on God because it's gonna matter in the end. It's gonna, you may not realize it in the moment. You may not see how what the Holy Spirit inspires you to do is gonna matter in the moment, but you will find out on the other side of eternity. When you give to kingdom builders, you may think I'm just throwing in a couple dollars, it doesn't matter. And what you don't realize is the money that you put in a plate that we write a check and we send to Honduras and they go do a medical missions that somewhere it brought hope to a woman up in the mountains that you will never meet until you get into eternity. That she found Jesus because she got medicine because Dr. Horry went because we finance them because you gave. You may not see that, but Holy Spirit, if you'll do it, if you'll say it, I'll do it. And if I do it, you'll use it. And it's going to matter in eternity. Come on, somebody. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do is convince us where we're going matters. It matters. There's a story is found in the book of Genesis, just last thought. And it's the story of this guy by the name of Joseph. And the reason Joseph's story is so profound is because it has the lowest lows and it has the highest highs. Joseph is this, he's, the, he's next to the youngest brother, which everybody who has like multiple kids in your family, the youngest are always the best. Anybody know the youngest or the spoiled? I'm the youngest, so I know it. Joseph is next to the youngest, but he's still the most spoiled. Dad loves him the most. He's celebrated the most. And because of it, 
His brothers hate him. His brothers hate him so bad they want to kill him, literally. And they decide instead of killing him, they'll sell him into slavery. Some of you know his story. He goes from literally being sold as a slave into Egypt. Then he kind of gets this cushy job. He's still a slave, so how good can it be? But he's in a pretty good household. He's got a pretty good gig going. And God elevates him to a pretty important position in this guy's house. And the husband of this house, his name's Potiphar. Potiphar, he's got this good looking wife. We can imagine he's married the best of the best and she gets eyes for Joseph and she wants to have sex with Joseph and Joseph's not married to her. He wants to honor God. So he keeps pushing her away saying no. Finally, she gets this idea. If I can't have, nobody can. And she accuses him of rape. So Joseph goes from being sold into slavery to a pretty decent position to getting thrown in prison. While he's in prison, he becomes the most popular prisoner. Not that that seems like it matters much, but it did for him. And he thought he was going to get out. Parole time came and the board overlooked him. And he ended up spending time, far more time in prison than he ever should. And it's like, what's going on? Like, why is this guy going through all this stuff? Valley after valley, mountaintop after mountaintop. He finally gets out and he gets elevated to one of the most important positions in the land of Egypt. He is second only to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And you read his whole story. And it looks like it doesn't make sense. And it looks like God's abandoned him. And it looks like God let him go into this situation and gave up on him. But four times you read this in the life of Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say that. But the Lord was with Joseph. When his brother sold him into slavery. But the Lord was with Joseph. Yeah, but he got sold into slavery. Yeah, but it's not where you are, it's who you're with. But the Lord was with Joseph. And then he gets this... He gets a pretty good gig and the Lord was with Joseph. See, our mindset is if God's with us, everything goes good. And if God's, if, if things are going bad, God must not be with us. What God is saying, no, I'm always with you and I'm always working. If you get your eyes on the circumstances, then your eyes are in the wrong place. You need to fix your eyes on how good I am, not how good life is. Because life can be good even when it don't feel good because God is working. And the only way you can see that is through the Holy Spirit. And you get all the way through the life of Joseph. And Joseph has this incredible perception to look back at his life. And he says this to his brothers during this time of famine, that now he's the only one who has the authority to save their lives. The ones who sold him into slavery. He says this, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You couldn't see it. You thought you had this trap or this trick and God used it to position me here in this land to save your lives. And the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with the disciples and the Lord is with me and the Lord is with you. How would you live if you really believed God's with you? It's a game changer. It is your ace in the hole. It is the thing that will give you the capacity and the ability to trust God on another, on another level and to walk out the plan that he has for your life. How many people would say, Pastor Steve, I need, I need what you're talking about. I need a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit. I really wanna sense his direction in my life. Come on, I really wanna sense. I wanna see what he wants me to see. I wanna hear what he wants me to hear at all of our campuses. Father, we come with just hungry hearts. Lord, we want what you promised that the Holy Spirit is with all of us. And Lord, there's times we're not walking in a way that we sense that or we rely on that. But I pray today over all of our campuses, God, over every person, that Lord, you will help us, God, to lean in, to trust and to listen. 
Holy Spirit, I pray you will begin to speak with such clarity that we can't miss you. God, you'll open our eyes so wide that we can't avoid it. And Lord, when we miss it, when we, when we fail, when we fall short, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I pray you'll be there to convict us and draw us back. We surrender our heart to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Hey, listen, before you go, if you're here and you're not serving the Lord with all of your heart, the greatest decision you will ever make is the day you say yes to God's grace. Every one of us in this room, we're all sinners. Good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. Forgiven people do. And everybody can find forgiveness in Jesus who showed up to rescue all of us. So if you're here and you're not serving the Lord with all of your heart, if you're not sold out to him as your savior, today's a great day for you to take that first step. When you say yes to Jesus, then what we read happens. The Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. And so I wanna pray a simple prayer at all of our campuses. If you're here and you wanna say yes to Jesus, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor Steve, today I wanna give my life to Jesus. Or you're not serving the Lord and today you need to recommit your life to Christ. Before you walk out of that door, the best thing you can do is say yes to right now, maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, you say, Pastor Steve, today I wanna give my life to Jesus. At all of our campuses, will you lift a hand real high? Come on, is there anybody here? Lots of hands. Thank you, 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 thank you. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. You can pray in your own way and just ask God, God save me, forgive me, and he will. If you're not sure what to say, you can just follow me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the savior of the world, that you came to rescue me, to forgive me, and to make me your child. I trust you as my savior, and I put all my hope in you. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's honor the Lord, Faith Church.